You're listening to the ProcureTech Podcast, your weekly show for all that's cooking in the digital procurement space. Yes, we've got the hottest startups, thought leadership and conversation from visionary industry experts and definitely no stiff corporate content. I'm your host, James Meads, procurement pro, digital nomad and ProcureTech fanboy. And now here's this week's show. Yes, a very warm welcome to another episode of the ProcureTech Podcast. We are your weekly motivation for all things digital procurement, giving you inspiration and ideas of how you can make your procurement life less transactional, more strategic, more automated and with better data. And this week, we conclude our mini SRM series talking about real-time supplier collaboration and stakeholder collaboration and how a really nice user experience and a really easy-to-use platform can help to drive that agenda and ensure that everyone is rowing in the same boat together. So to talk about this, I've invited onto the show Sheldon Maidat, who is the founder and CEO of Sopico. So Sopico is actually a pretty new platform out there, but they're growing very, very quickly and for good reason, because I mean, I've seen a demo of this and their UX looks really, really good. And it is actually something that enables real-time collaboration, which is something of a novelty out there in terms of SRM software. So I'm going to introduce you now to this week's guest, which is, who is Sheldon Meidert, founder and CEO of Sapico. Sheldon, welcome to the show. Hi, James. Thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. I mean, we've known each other for a while because you've been part of what we've been doing at Proctopus. And if anyone listening to this doesn't know what Proctopus is, then uh, check out our LinkedIn page. It's uh, a collaboration of procurement professionals. We do virtual events every couple of weeks. And Sheldon was pretty much there from the start in terms of some of these events. So I've kind of seen your journey and seen you grow, but maybe just briefly introduce what who what your background and, and what Sapico does, uh, and we can jump straight in from there. Sure. Thanks, James. Um, so look, I, I've I've been around for a few years. Uh, I've been in supply chain and supply and management uh, in the enterprise space for about 25 years, uh, working with organizations um, taking in taking them through journeys of transformation be it outsource or divestment or mergers acquisitions or, or supplier management transformation for their for their supply chains uh, and, and supplier ecosystems and throughout that time there wasn't really any tech that did what we do it was all spreadsheets and powerpoints and word docs um so a lot of the time i'd spend my time racking my, my racking my brains using excel to formulate these create these formulas that would emulate human subjective relationship-based behavior and trying to turn it into something objective that we could measure because that was always a secret source. And so I did that for a number of years and would always be faced with with questions from CPOs uh, of the like, uh, questions such as, well, tell me what our supply chain are doing. What are our suppliers doing? Uh, Where's the value? And so the response would, would, would be, well, okay, so we've, these are, the, these are our contracts and, and, and this is our kind of pre-baked in profit margins. 
10, 15% uh, on average. Uh, and, and CPOs like that, obviously, because they can take that, it's addressable, and they can, they can run capital investment books and projects off the back of that. Um, but the next question would be, well, what about this relationship stuff, this SRM? Uh, how, how does that work? And the answer would always be, well, that's relationship based. It's, we need to build a relationship. We need to nurture it. It's strategic, et cetera, et cetera. And that's the problem. That was the problem with SRM over all these years. It was highly subjective. It was a little bit like trying to nail jelly to a wall uh, because relationships are subjective. But the things about the relationship, it contains all of the market analysts out there, Gartner, Hackett, you know, McKinsey, they all say the same thing. The relationship space contains up to an extra 25% incremental value annually, but it's hidden because it's unstructured. And generally it's hemorrhaged because there's no structure to it. So that's why I spent many years creating these formulas that would take that space and structure it. Um, and a number of the companies I, I worked for said, this is great. This is really, really good. Can we have it? Uh, and long story short, I thought, well, I'm going to shrink, shrink wrap this and build it. And that, that's kind of how Sapico was born. We, we started to, to uh, build it at the start of 2019 and we built to MVP and beyond. Um, into 2020, we did a series of product, mar product market fits and then live pilots throughout early 2020 and launched to production in April 2020. So um, it, it's, it's uh, and from then on, it's been a pretty dynamic um, knuckle, ride, knuckle ride of a journey. Especially given what's happened in, uh, yeah. in, in, the, in the wider sense since around about that time, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, when you look at supplier relationship management, I mean, there are three real pillars of this, aren't there? I mean, there are, there are, there are traditional cost savings that you can drive through procurement technology through enabling you to do things like online auctions. I know that's probably the most, um, the most cliched one. And then you've got the more contract management side of things where through having technology to enable you to actively manage contracts in one place and avoid leakage, you know, through maintaining active contract management rather than just a contract being stuck on SharePoint or in someone's filing cabinet and enabling you to consolidate spend and, and drive compliance through, through preferred vendors, which historically may have been a bit trickier. But then the third one, and this is really, I guess, what you're about, which is the value creation that comes through a more structured approach to optimizing the relationship with suppliers. So let's talk about that a little bit because quantifying that value, like you said, can be relatively subjective in a lot of, in a lot of ways. And it's not just about bottom line cost savings. That relies on everybody using the tool. And, you know, you've worked in procurement and you've worked in supply chain and stakeholders are busy people and often pretty non-receptive or, or cautious when it comes to using, using new technology. So how do you deal with that challenge? You know, what I guess what I'm saying is what, what is in it for them? Because it's, I think it's clear if you're talking to a procurement person what the value proposition is in terms of, defining procurement's contribution and, and, and wider value beyond bottom line hard savings. But what's in it for the stakeholder and how can you get them to use the tool? There's a, a, a few elements to that question, all very, very good points you've made. Uh, let, me, let me kind of unpack it slightly. 
there are many contract management solutions out there that do exactly as you say they they, they look into the contract they measure uh compliance against that contract the thing about that in my view is that it looks down at the bottom line it doesn't leave any room for creativity so i've always so, so if you imagine a pyramid upside down pyramid with a point at the bottom if we look at contract and spend management we are in a way looking at the bottom of that pyramid if we focus at the top and we start looking at other ways to create value we are working more collaboratively we are looking at areas of innovation shared r&d uh, different areas of performance management um and, and all of that space all of that activity needs space to operate it's it's very much the top or the the the, the fat end of the pyramid but the result of working in all of those all of those activities is they ultimately drive that bottom line but if you don't focus on those areas first you you always well you do you miss out on the opportunity to drive value and increase the bottom line through working collaboratively at the top end of the funnel at the top end of the pyramid the trick is to create a structure and the visibility and the structure across all of that activity so that you can actually see it bearing fruit you can actually see and that and that's where people start to to sit up they can see all of this activity the structured activity um that was traditionally hidden uh in fact let, let's look at supply chain over the last 30 years it's been predominantly cost driven it's all been about the numbers cost, yeah. uh, you know you've got yeah. just-in-time purchasing uh cost efficiency programs it, it, it's all about the numbers and then covid happened and it broke supply chain and suddenly everybody understands everybody knows what, what supply chain is and, and we have the big four on the market analysts all saying well hang on we need to look at relationships because the relationship contains substantive value it's it's all about you know we talk about visibility what does visibility mean visibility is not just about the numbers it's about everything that goes on not just end to end but top to bottom and that's what's really really important and the trick is to actually make that visible make that structured bring people into the relationship bring the stakeholders in let them see the opportunity to drive this value um and that and when i say stakeholders that's not just internal stakeholders that's supply chain wide that's the entire ecosystem and that's what's really really important here um in that these relationships involve multiple parties i mean we you'll always have a bilateral contract between customer and supplier but supply chains for example are, are generally you know multiple parties and you need to bring everybody in let them all have a voice into this structured omni-channel environment and and that's all about driving you know customer of choice which is another which we can talk about separately but it's that it's that mindset and visibility of this structure within the relationship uh within the different activities across the entire engagement and breaking them all down into measurable manageable uh you know sub 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 categories uh that 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 become so valuable and that that leads on nicely actually because even though it is very complex in very simple terms it's kind of a triangle isn't it between stakeholder supplier and and procurement in terms of bringing this together and one of the things that sapico does is is real-time collaboration and because the supply chain is so complex and bringing all of that together 
it kind of it's kind of something that struggles straddles between a, an SRM platform on the one hand, uh, but it's also taken some of the some 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 of the interface or some of the features from more industry agnostic project management platforms such as Trello and Asana, for example. Mm-hmm. So. You know, how does that make project work more efficient and transparent in its in its simplest form? So McKinsey issued an article some time back. It was a really, really good article, actually. But in it, and I can't remember what it was actually called now, but, but in it, it referred to digital uh, procurement platforms such as Sapico and their ability to drive an incremental saving, an, an incremental value between 3 and 10% annually. One of the main reasons for that was their ability to drive instant collaborative contribution from the supply chain. So reducing time on task, essentially departing from a legacy process of engagement. Of, uh, of an email and Excel base going right. back to the, what, what you said at the intro, right? Yeah. Which, which, you know, even organizations that are using procurement technology a lot of their supplier relationship and, and outreach and stakeholder management is still done on email, isn't it? Or, 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 or best case, it's done on SharePoint, which we all know is bloody awful to navigate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. So the, this ability to create this frictionless environment for the entire supply chain to come in into these structured activities, uh, whether they be based around you know, innovation or performance uh, performance management or, or, or sustainability activity. So one of the one of the one of the customers that we're working with, um, they use our platform to manage their um, sustainable merchandise supply chain. Um, and so there is, uh, and, and these companies are all around the world, um, including China, India, a lot in the UK. Um, but it's very important that there's a lot of trust involved for a start. So uh, a lot of the onus is put on the supplier to um, submit, you know, SEDEX uh, related reports, photography in factories. It's, because a lot of it's about social compliance and working conditions in that in that specific, you know, in, in sustainable merchandise supply chain, where you're talking about different types of products that are that are created. Um, but it, but it needs to happen now. It needs to be contributed to in a dynamic fashion by stakeholders across the supply chain, not not in a, in a, in a traditional, you know, where you get your remembering your contracts used to have your well, you still you still do have it. Your your governance schedules within your contracts with your monthly meetings and your quarterly meetings, and and then you've got your kind of you know, ongoing ad hoc feeder sessions that feed into those, you know, what a governance schedule typically looks like. Yeah. Um, but that, that, when you sit that and you try and make that, align that to a digital platform, you straight away see that that is holding you back because the technology lets you do things in a very, very dynamic, instantaneous way. Which, and straight away, you're thinking, well, okay, if I can do that, using the technology think of the savings the delays that i'm losing it, it just changes everything um so it's a big big win but just on that there is one other thing i'd like to say so because i i think where where you have a where you have a platform that that is able to do all of that and, and is able to create all of that data 
you are reliant on the stakeholders logging in and doing things. Yeah. Otherwise, you've got to take your ROI statements and halve them. Yeah. Because yeah, if you're going to rely on people to do things, then 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 you do have to uh, look at certain you know traditional um, behaviour patterns. People are busy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. This is where we introduce workflow automation into our platform. So everything on our platform um, is it uses live data. Everything is live, uh, and we use a set of algorithms to quality check all of the data that's added into the platform, all the commentaries, the scores, the KPIs, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then we date stamp all of the data and everything on the platform has a kind of shelf life. It ages as it gets older, data is live, is, is most valuable when it's live, right? So we we use those, those algorithms to quality check the data and to ensure that um, we drive workflow automation against all of that data. So essentially, rather than waiting for people to log in to the platform, we sense check all of the data on a weekly basis because we don't want to spam stakeholders across the supply chain with Sapico emails. And, and it doesn't have to be email, by the way, but everybody is still on email at the moment. Um, but we push out the activity to their inboxes uh, using live and dynamic links. So they don't have to log in and look for the data. And it's our way of driving cadence in the, in the relationship across all of the different subcategories and facets of the engagement um, to keep it moving, to keep things moving along. So when KPIs expire, we push out a notification to the stakeholders, whether it be across the supply chain or internally within the customer to say, you need to take action, just click the link. And it takes them straight into the activity. So it becomes a continuous kind of seamless um ongoing activity and i guess that's that's part of the sweet spot isn't it there has to be you've got to get people into the platform to make it what to make to make it pay back the investment but at the same time like you say we all get enough email as it is and you you can't you can't be seen to be spamming users on a daily basis to <laughs> to log into the platform so it's it's getting that mix right and actually i was i was going to ask you especially with it being sort of more about ongoing collaboration rather than it being a more traditional rating and supplier evaluation platform is there a niche that this is more successful in from from trials or from existing clients that you've seen because i think in in, for somebody that's in a more office-based environment, that's a little bit that can maybe enjoy the ability to be a bit more disciplined in how he or she plans their day. I'm thinking things like marketing or IT. Mm. It's a lot easier to be able to manage this than if you're in sort of a high-paced production environment, which is a very, very reactive job role where essentially you're being paid to 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 keep the the plant running and make sure that logistics have got the product to be able to ship out to a customer it's an interesting point so it's very it's important to note that procurement are are very much the facilitators within the platform but these are relationships and they require they require community-wide engagement so uh, across across the business, across service, finance, security, whatever, all these different departments that face into an engagement. Um, and there are, so that, that's number one. Um, so so it, it's about the ability to, to garner that contribution from, from uh, 
across the enterprise, across the engagement, across the entire ecosystem. So that's number one. And that's that that's that's sector and industry agnostic. That applies everywhere. Um, that's not to say that that you have to apply the A to Z of, of, of SRM to every supplier on the platform, because you don't. Some of the times they're very, very light touch. Sometimes you might add a supplier to the platform, and, in, and this does exist, this, this situation where, where there are two specific KPIs that they run across a supplier, and that's it. Yeah, especially, especially in more transactional relationships right. rather, than, rather than very strategic supply. I was going to ask that, actually, around how do you differentiate more transactional spend versus strategic spend but but yeah you've kind of answered the question that it can be a light touch if you want it to be it, it can it can indeed uh but you, you you can do as much heavy lifting as you like or you can go very very light touch um and and, and you know and you can deactivate what you don't use uh so that the system doesn't kind of constantly send you alerts saying you're not doing this or you're not doing that so you can you you can tone it down but all, all of that, as I said, is, is, is to a degree, it's kind of industry agnostic because that's all the principle of engaging uh, and, and getting the most out of a relationship. You've got to engage it. You've got to engage in the relationship. But there are certain industries that, that are, that have, I don't, I, I, construction, for example, is a sector that has publicly over the years uh, had challenges with, collaboration and they've made okay. they, they've made great strides and there's a lot of technology now working in the space uh and here we work in that space as well um but then there are also other um engineering potentially manufacturing skill sets that um that i want to say they're old school but um Certain certain organisations or certain areas resist change more than others. Yep. <laughs> Having worked in manufacturing industries, yeah, I would say manufacturing operations are pretty much at the top of that list. Exactly. exactly. Things a fair fair point. Exactly. So, I mean, I guess final question to round this up, and it's kind of the the million dollar question in a in a, in a lot of regards. But if it's if, if what Sapico does is more about driving value that's that's not inherently visible in 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 the PL, you know, in terms of obvious cost savings that you would get through contract management or through price negotiation, what sort of challenges or what sort of approaches have you taken to convince CFOs or budget holders to invest in this type of technology? Because I mean, I think as procurement pros, we can see the benefit and we always harp on on being measured more on value rather than hard savings but the cfo still is very much looking at their bottom line numbers right they are they are so uh there was a the the, the global procurement head for a certain uh very large organization also one of our customers um made a statement that said uh as we come through covid uh potentially into um into a bit of a you know economic downturn um the the revenue associated with our contract is going to reduce simply because business is going to reduce which means our margins are going to reduce um the only thing that won't reduce are our value targets because they never reduce so how are we going to meet those value targets we need to look up into the relationship we need to 
look for the hidden value in those relationships and our suppliers will want to do it. In fact, suppliers are better at collaborating than customers because they do it with many customers. And, and on that, I, I really do think, so there are examples of how, how working in that space can, can, can show tangible substantive results. I mean, you, you look at shared R&D, for example, uh, where it, it, whether it be uh, across innovation projects to do with uh, sustainable innovation or manufacturing innovation, uh, innovations. Uh, so for an example, where, um, where a supplier uh, made some improvements to their assembly process where they were, where they were um, putting their chips onto boards and that process, that improvement made great savings. And because of the relationship, those savings are passed straight through uh, to the customer. Um, and that, that was a situation where customer of choice was really driving things forward <clears throat> and was, was helping to elevate the relationship to, to, to a new level. That, that's how shared, R, shared R&D can be passed straight through. But if you've got a, a supplier that's invested in shared R&D and it's and it, it, it's had headcount working on an R&D program for six months, maybe four or five people investing in R&D to create a product which in itself creates the value. So you've got the investment costs associated with the R&D and then you've got the, the value uh, and you know, the, the, the value and gains associated with the product of that R&D. And if all of that is passed through as part of that relationship, that is a huge substantive saving that should absolutely be counted and 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 is and is so and that and that was an example that I gave you in that manufacturing space with with you know uh, chips onto boards and passing that through so it happens but it happens in the right setting where yeah because if that was a, if that relationship wasn't really set up or, or, or flourishing in that way then th th those savings wouldn't have been passed on they would have been kept by the supplier and it's all about then sort of as part of your due diligence when you're looking to invest in something like this it's approaching your suppliers to understand you know what potential value is hiding under the under the bonnet if, right. if more collaboration can be driven and to, to put to use that as part of your business case i guess yeah mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and we're we're starting we're starting to see so, so this relationship originally nice to have srm nice to have as a, as, a, as i said at the beginning of of the call, it was a nice to have, but generally kicked to the, the curb because supply chain was all about the numbers. And then we've gone through this process with a big kick from, from COVID, although although the disruption curve has been exponentially increasing in the background for many years now, as we know, COVID was just the loudest noise. Um, but in another 10 years time, as McKinsey have said, uh, and they're not the only ones, we're, we're likely to see companies losing half of their, you know, half of their profits to disruption in another decade. So there's a need to do something different uh, rather than just focusing down on the numbers. We need to look up into the relationship and the value in the relationship space. It's not long before it becomes hard coded just as that contract, you know, the, the numbers that are baked into contracts, that, that 10 to 15 percent margin, which is hard coded into spend and compliance and, and, and drives those those targets. How long is it now before the value, you know, the relationship based value becomes hard coded as well and that's a bigger number that's 25 yeah. percent, not 15. so it's a huge opportunity 
food for thought as we move into what's probably going to be a pretty unstable decade geopolitically. Absolutely. So just as we round this off, Sheldon, what is the best way that people can get in touch with you if they want to learn more about this or to connect with you? Uh, I'm quite prolific on LinkedIn, <laughs> as we know. Um, I, I am uh, contactable and I'd love to chat uh, within LinkedIn through DM or, or, or contact me or, or add me as a contact um, through the website, um, through all of the usual channels. Um, we're all very approachable and we'd love to chat. And I will link to that in the show notes. Sheldon, you have been a fountain of knowledge on this topic. You've clearly got, uh, it, it reflects in, in your answers, the extensive experience that you've got from your time in supply chain. So thank you very much for being a guest and, and good luck watching you grow. It's, uh, it's been great to see how you've taken this and, uh, uh, and, and, and really scaled it over the past 12 months. Thanks, Jane. It's been a really, really interesting call. Uh, I've really enjoyed it, actually. Thank you very much. So they were a lot of value bombs in one interview, ladies and gentlemen. So supplier relationship management, that draws us to a conclusion of this mini series that we've done on three SRM related platforms, each one very different and very uh, focused on the specific niche that they're serving. So thank you very much for listening to another episode. Don't forget to subscribe to us where you listen to your podcasts to get our notifications every time we publish a new episode. There are a lot of procurement podcasts out there these days, and I appreciate all of you for listening to us. Take care. See you again next episode. And bye for now.